Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm Brenda. Welcome to Conversational Counseling, where counseling and discipleship meet. The thing we just have to remember is that suffering changes us profoundly, and honestly, it either changes us better for the worse. But we all know people who have suffered greatly, and now they walk with Jesus deeply. Um, talking about suffering, and um, this has been a hard series because we're exploring some of the common ways that suffering trips us up. And we've covered some difficult questions like, why do I suffer? Where is God in my suffering? Uh, In episode one, we talked about ways that uh, suffering causes us to doubt and fears that we struggle with in suffering. And then in our last episode, we talked about knowing God and the three attributes that anchor our souls. And um, we think about an anchor as being something that that helps us not drift away, that keeps a boat in place, especially during a storm. And so we want to be anchored by the idea that God is loving, wise, and in control as we weather life storms. And so today, we're going to answer the question, what? We've done the why and the where, and we're going to ask, what is God doing in my suffering? And one of the most common beliefs that I think we hear and probably we've also um, struggled with ourselves is that um, the what God is up to in our suffering is that He's punishing us. Yeah, and I hear that a lot, Alex. Um, And really, it produces a real unhealthy fear of God in us. Um, I was just on the phone yesterday. I was out walking my dog and talking to a sweet friend of mine with a prodigal daughter, and she was just weeping. And then she said this, I think Mm -hmm. God is punishing me for not being a good enough parent. Mm -hmm. And it just broke my heart, right? And I know if it breaks my heart, it has to break God's heart too. It's not to say Mm -hmm. that there are not things in her parenting that couldn't have been better or different, but to feel like God is punishing her um, is really problematic. And we're going to delve into that. Last week, I met with another woman um, and who is in, facing some current struggles. And to be honest with you, they're not even struggles that, are, that I can see that are really a result of her sin. She's actually suffering greatly mm-hmm. as the result of other people's sin. But she made the comment that she thought God was punishing her for her past. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about the Old Testament because it can be confusing. We read a lot about God's judgment, um, even on His own people. Uh, But in the New Testament, we see that God has placed all of our punishment on Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I think as we read the Bible, you know, the Old and New Testament, we have to to be careful and we have to consider the whole counsel of God as we look at this idea of what is God up to um, in our suffering. Uh, The way I like to think about it, I guess the way it helps me when I think about punishment of God, um, I like to think about it in terms of punishment versus discipline, Mm -hmm. because I think they can feel the same, but they're very different. (laughs) The motivation Mm -hmm. is very different. Um, Punishment has to do with paying someone back for the wrong they've done. And honestly, you know, we know that our our Bible tells us that this is going to happen to people who don't place their trust in Christ, uh, who don't Mm -hmm. believe that Jesus took the punishment for their sins, like somebody has to pay for sin. Mm -hmm. And so punishment will come to those people. But Discipline is a whole different matter. Discipline is a course correction. And it's really always God's way of redirecting us back to Him. It might come, Alex, in the form of instruction. You know, we read Mm -hmm. God's Word and we are uh, course corrected. 
But if that doesn't work, (laughs) then God knows how to give us a divine spanking. Um, And the book of Hebrews makes it clear that God disciplines those he loves. So I always think about it this way, you know, if I'm at a playground and children, the children are, are misbehaving, which child am I going to correct and spank? Not mm-hmm. everybody else is, but my mm-hmm. own. <laughs> mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the Bible tells us that discipline is a sign we are loved and God's child. Um, and, you know, if we believe God is just out to get us, it really is going to distort our view of God and how much worse is our suffering going to be? Because if we think God is up there with a hammer waiting to pound us, we are certainly not going to run to God. We are going to run away and cower from Him. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. I think it's good to make this distinction between punishment and suffering and for us to really cling and really hold on to the fact that God doesn't punish those who are in Christ, that Jesus took that punishment and um, that, yes, God does use discipline to shape us, and He uses discipline to further us in our sanctification process, but that is um, not punishment. Um, I think that sometimes when we think about discipline, we also fall into another trap, is that some people become overly scrupulous as they think about God disciplining them. So when suffering comes into their lives— they go on this sin hunt within themselves mm-hmm. where they are examining every thought, word, motive, and um, they become overly scrupulous. And and it makes sense, doesn't it? Like we want our suffering to be relieved. So we feel like if we figure out what the sin was, then the suffering will be over. But Absolutely. I just like to remind people that it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict us of sin. It is his job. Mm-hmm. It is what he does. And so he's not playing a game with us of like hide our sin or keep our sin from us. And so I just always want people to remember that we don't need to become overly preoccupied with our sin. If God is disciplining us, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to show us clear places to repent. And Mm -hmm. if we ask him for that and he doesn't show it to us, then we might have to recognize that the suffering we're experiencing is because we live in a fallen world with broken people. And we need to kind of let go of the sin um, over-examination that we tend to do. Yeah, so as we said, we want to really um, look at the question today of what is God doing in my suffering? Um, You know, we understand the true purpose for our pain. It can give us great hope. And hope is what gives us endurance. And endurance Mm -hmm. is oftentimes what we need to persevere in a trial. So if we remember um, and believe that God is infinitely wise and perfectly loving, then we know Him. And if we know Him, we will trust Him that He does have purpose in our pain. Yeah, I see this playing out um, in different ways. Uh, I see when people are looking for purposes in their pain, like It's good to know that we have purpose in our pain, but we have to remember that um, what God is revealing as as His purposes in our pain is often general instead of specific um, or particular. So God doesn't always show us His particular purposes um, or His specific purposes. Um, We know He's accomplishing His purposes, but I think there's a danger sometimes in looking for very specific purposes in his pain. And I'll, I'll give you an example from my own life. Of course, years of struggling with chronic pain, and I'm always trying to figure out, you know, 
what is God doing in this? So I think one day I'm laying in the bed and I decide that God is using, oh, I figured it out. Like God is using this chronic pain to make my children be people who are compassionate and caring and know how to anticipate others' needs. And so I latch on to that and I'm like, well, this suffering is worth it if my children will become (laughs) compassionate and caring and can anticipate each other's needs. And then, of course, what happens because they're kids and 15 minutes later, they're fighting and they're not compassionate, they're not caring, and they're not even close to even wanting to know what someone else's needs are but their own. And so my whole structure for why I'm suffering collapses at that point, and I'm left disillusioned again of where is God and what is He doing in my suffering because He's not doing the particular thing that I decided He needed to be doing in that suffering. Yeah, wow, that's really a good word. And then I see another danger we fall into is like we want to see his plans and purposes in the now versus seeing his overarching plan and purposes. So we've said before that God's doing a thousand different things in what he's doing. And when we look in the scripture, we see the Old Testament saints, they they really had no idea all the things that God was doing. We only see that now as we look back on their story and we see God's big story of redeeming mankind through their stories, the way they point to Christ. But Um, What God is accomplishing in me today through my suffering often will set off a chain reaction, and only God really knows what's going to happen Um, and, and who may come to faith as this chain reaction unfolds or as a legacy of one who suffers well unfolds. And so we have to be really careful to continue to have that big story perspective and not just bringing in, this has to happen right now. I have to see this come to fruition now. Yeah, I think those are all such good cautions and certainly traps I think we fall into easily. But there are some things that we can say we know God is doing in suffering, Alex. Mm -hmm. And um, these are the places that we want to spend the rest of our time today. And, you know, there might be more, but we've identified at least four ways God uses suffering to mature our faith and deepen our walk with Jesus. And those four are, um, we are refined like Christ, we relate with Christ, we reflect Christ to others, and we reveal Christ's glory. So again, we have a beautiful little alliteration, refined, relate, yeah. reflect, and reveal. And so um, let's, let's just go ahead and unpack these. You take the first one, refined like Christ. Yeah, so here we're just talking about that God uses our suffering to make us more like Jesus. And we've touched on this before. And, um, you know, many times when people are struggling or suffering, we hear people quote the Romans 8.28 verse, and we might cringe a little bit. But um, we need to remember that when the scripture says that God is working all things for our good, we need to ask the question, well, what is the good that he's working? And Romans 29 answers that question, but often we don't get to that verse. Mm -hmm. We forget about it. (laughs) And Romans 29 says, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. So um, suffering um, is something that God uses in our sanctification, so we'll grow to look more like Christ. And the place that we often grow most quickly and are shaped most nearly to the image of Christ is in our suffering. 
Yeah, Alex, but I want the gain of Christ without the pain. (laughs) (laughs) I'll gain no pain. Oh, but it doesn't really work that way. Um, I remember the story about Elizabeth Elliot. Some of our listeners may be too young to remember her. Um, But as a young mom and wife, she and her husband went to be missionaries in the jungles of Ecuador, um, where he was brutally murdered by the Aka Indians. Uh, she left the the jungle with her young daughter after his death. Her husband died only to return, I don't know, sometime later um, to complete the mission that he set out to preach the gospel to this tribe. And these are the tribe of men who killed her husband. And mm-hmm. she had the joy of going back and actually seeing them embrace the gospel. And then mm-hmm. she went on to become a prolific writer and speaker. But one day I heard the story that she was at a conference and a young woman approached her and was so excited. She was so taken back by the story and Elizabeth's intimate walk with Jesus. And she enthusiastically says, I want to be just like you. To which Mrs. Elliot replied, yes, but are you willing to endure what I have endured? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds just like something you Exactly. Saying. She's very no stoic. Yeah, yes. very, no nonsense, very stoic. Like, yeah, sure you do, but are you willing to go through what I've been through? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the thing we just have to remember is that suffering changes us profoundly. And honestly, it either changes us better for the worse. Mm-hmm. But we all know people who have suffered greatly, and now they walk with Jesus deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an area in my own life that has been very, very, very painful, and I wouldn't choose to go through it again, but I can honestly say I would not erase the pain for the gain. Mm-hmm. And I think if you've had or have a suffering situation in your life and you've gone far enough down the road to see some of what God is doing and conforming you to the image of Christ and then these other things we're going to talk about, you really can say that in all earnestness. Like, I mm-hmm. wouldn't go through it again. But I am so thankful for what it has produced in my life. Mm -hmm. And in addition to what it's produced in our lives, the next one being able to relate to Christ, being able to see the way that our suffering deepens our trust and our fellowship with Jesus. um, I think that that's probably the nearest and dearest to me is seeing that, um, you know, apart from my suffering, sometimes I wonder if I would ever really look to the Lord. Like, it is mm-hmm. in suffering when I most uh, clearly recognize my need for Him and I turn to Him. It's in suffering where I've grown into deeper knowledge and experience of Him. Because there's there's definitely a way that we experience God in our suffering that we don't experience Him in any other way. Yeah, I think the Apostle Paul um really illustrates this. He welcomed suffering because he Mm -hmm. understood he could not fully know Christ apart from the experience of suffering. And that's Mm -hmm. just that statement alone. Like you can't know Christ apart from the experience of suffering. Um, Mm -hmm. He told the church in Philippi, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I'd like to just stop there, Alex. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds good to me. I want to experience him and his mighty power. And then he goes on to say, though, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Mm -hmm. That is a bold statement and maybe Mm -hmm. even a crazy one. I don't know. Um, But some translations say we fellowship with Jesus in his suffering as we understand his suffering better and we realize he understands our suffering. And I yeah. I know that to be true in my own life. It mm-hmm. is a precious, precious truth. And I maybe I'm old enough. 
I don't know, strong, uh, you know, grown enough in my faith that I can actually pray this with um, mm. or say these same words that Paul's saying, because as I look back again, I can see how my suffering has deepened my walk with Jesus. Mm. But I will say if you're young or if you've not faced a lot of suffering yet, um, that seems really harsh. And yet we are here to tell you, hold on, my friend, there is a sweetness in your suffering that you will not gain any other way than to walk, yeah. than to have Jesus walk it with you. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. And, and I think, again, for me, like you said, it, seeing the ways that your suffering has changed you for me, seeing the ways that Jesus has become real is, yeah. um, has made suffering be something that feels a little less hard because Jesus yeah. feels a lot more real. Um, the third way we talk about Jesus or suffering changing us is that it causes us to relate, reflect Christ. We reflect um, who He is. So it's easy to love and trust and obey God when life is good, but how do we respond when hardship comes? And, you know, some people think that Christians need to be like walking on air, floating on sunshine, living above the suffering of the world to show that that we're living the abundant life in Christ and um, and we have no worries. But I really think that that does a real disservice to the name of Christ and to who He is. I think we actually reflect Christ to the world as we suffer well. Um, it's when unbelievers look on and wonder, who is this God that she would cling to Him in all her suffering? I know the Puritans used to say that God entrusts us with suffering, yeah. and He entrusts it to us as we um, as we cling to Jesus and we we display Him well. We put Him on display. So our suffering all, um, not only gives us the ability to put Christ on display when we are suffering, but it also gives us the ability to reflect the comfort of Christ. So. When we suffer, we've known and received His comfort, and then we're able to pass that on. So we're, we are reflecting Him in how we suffer well and then how we um, give away the comfort that we've been given to others who are suffering. Yeah, I love that idea of the Puritans that you've been entrusted. My husband actually mm -hmm. says that a lot. I'm not sure if he got that from a Puritan. Probably mm -hmm. somewhere along the way picked that up. But um, when we really think about this idea of being entrusted, um, it's mm -hmm. even going to speak more to our next episode about how we do, how do we steward, how do we mm -hmm. steward our suffering, you know, if mm -hmm. it has actually been entrusted to us. So the final thing we can know about what God is doing in our suffering is He is revealing Christ's glory. He uses suffering to reveal ultimately the glory of Christ through rescuing, rescuing us from sin and suffering. Mm. Um, and our greatest suffering in this life is sin and death. And Jesus overcame the power of these at the cross. And one day, His full glory is going to be on display when the presence of all this is removed. Mm -hmm. So Paul told the Corinthians in um, chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, that all of our trials, which seem heavy now, are actually light compared to the glory that goes on and on in heaven. Believe it or not, Brenda, these are my life verses that I picked in middle school. Why a 13-year-old would pick these verses is totally beyond me. <laughs> Why a 13-year-old is picking a verse period is beyond me in my life. So that is amazing. <laughs> so sweet and tender. A little, a little fun fact there. Um, but... 
you know, when I look back now, I think, what was I going through to, to need to cling to the promise? But it was middle school. Let's just go there. But to be able to <laughs> yeah. cling to the promise that, um, that our suffering now will bring Christ's glory um, in the next life. So um, this is a little bit of a long story, but I think it's worth sharing that um, Tim Keller captures this idea. And he talks about waking up from a horrible nightmare where every member of his family was tragically killed. This is what he says. It was as if I had lost my family and awakened to discover I had them back. I wanted to wake them all up and hug them. I loved them before the nightmare, but not like I did after the nightmare. Then that nightmare taught me something valuable, and it was this. The joy of finding them wasn't a joy in spite of the nightmare, but a joy enhanced by the nightmare. Mm. The nightmare actually punctuated my joy. He goes on to say, if heaven is a compensation for all the stuff we wanted but never had, that is one thing. But if the new heaven and new earth is our hope, and it is, it will make everything horrible we've experienced nothing but a nightmare. And as a nightmare, it will infinitely, correspondingly increase our future joy <clears throat> Excuse me, and glory in a way it wouldn't have been increased if we had never suffered. To say that our suffering is an illusion or to say we won't, we will be compensated for our suffering is one thing. But to say that the suffering we experience now will one day be a servant of our joy does not just compensate for it. It undoes it. Oh, I just love that. I love Mm -hmm. that story. Man, what hope we have that one day everything sad is going to come untrue. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it reminds me of childbirth, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a terrible experience with my firstborn, and I can remember the hours of labor and the complications that led to a C-section. But Alex, even though I can remember so much about it, I feel no pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even though I know it was painful and at times terrifying, I can't mm-hmm. muster up one bit of fear or pain or discomfort or any of that. Um, and then certainly as I look at my children and grandchildren, I know the pain was completely worth it. But I think it's a really interesting concept when we think about like Jesus, when he came back, he showed Thomas the scars on his hands, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I think our view of heaven is like, we're going to get there and it's going to erase everything mm-hmm. um, in the sense that we won't be our real selves and we won't know. But if you think about like at that point, things making sense and just the realization of what God has done for us for all eternity. We're just going to be sharing the stories, I think, of our rescue, Mm -hmm. but there won't be any pain Mm -hmm. in it. And we'll Mm -hmm. only see the glory in it. And that's just going to be, it's going to be beautiful. I can't wait. One of my favorite things when I think about heaven is sitting with people and interviewing them about (laughs) what God, what what was, what was their life story? And now Mm -hmm. as they're on the other side, how they can just tell it without pain and without shame Mm -hmm. But just to be putting the glory of Christ on display with every single story, I just, I love that. Mm-hmm. So there's one more thing that I think that we need to say about what God is doing in our suffering, and that is he's a bookkeeper taking account of evil. Mm. Um, and I like this idea of a bookkeeper because we do see this idea of God like keeping accounts. I even think about the scripture that talks about he um, like is writing down our laments and keeping our tears. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's very interested in what's going on in our lives, the good and the bad. 
And um, after Paul and I watched this really disturbing movie highlighting human suffering, I was reminded of the verse in Proverbs 15, 3 that says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. And a robust theology of suffering, Alex, has got to include both. What God is doing with His children and what God is doing with the wicked. Mm-hmm. And God is going to deal justly with the ungodly. He is going to punish evildoers. While God does not settle all of his accounts today, he promises that one day they will all be settled. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's a good reminder, especially when, we, when we're suffering at the hands of, of another. It's a good reminder that uh, vengeance is his. And he. I, I like the image, bookkeeper is another good visual theology mm-hmm. that I don't have to keep the record. He does. That's right. So in all of this, and when we ask the question, what is God doing in my suffering? We could say that God will not save us from suffering, but that he saved us through it. And he continues to use our suffering in our salvation story. And that's um, also what we're going to be looking at in our next episode. So I hope that these four R's today will help when we're doing self-counsel or when we're helping someone else that we might not always understand in the minutiae what God is up to, but we can know that He is up to good things. And in our next episode, episode four, we're going to ask the question then, if God is accomplishing His purposes in our suffering, then how can I learn how to suffer well? So we hope you'll join us. Yeah, and Alex, I just want to say one other thing, and that is if you've not joined our Conversational Counseling Facebook page, um, we really want to encourage you to do that because we'd like to have conversation about our mm-hmm. content here, and we'd love to hear from you what you're learning. Um, you can add to the conversation, you can ask questions, and we'll come back and answer those. So certainly um, be sure you like, share, rate, and do all the things that um, can help get these podcasts out. We really appreciate when people do that. But also uh, go go online and join, go to Facebook and join our Conversational Counseling Facebook page to be a part of the conversation. We want to hear from you and we don't want you to miss out. For visuals and discussion questions for this podcast, sign up at knownministries.org. Because we learn better together, we'd love for you to share this podcast with others and gather to discuss it. If you take a moment to like, follow, subscribe, and rate this podcast, it'll help tremendously. We'd love to connect on social at Known Ministries. This podcast is made possible by generous donors, executive producer Malia Smith, and engineers and producers Shane Selby and Zachary Tate-Smith. The information presented is for the enjoyment of all and is not intended as either medical advice or counseling, nor is it specific to any particular individual. It is not intended to replace counseling, medical care, or professional advice. Please contact 911 if you're having an emergency.